Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be talking about all things harmonica. This podcast is brought to you by the Tomlin Harmonica School, where we provide you all the resources and feedback you need to get better at blues harmonica. To find out more, go to tomlinharmonicaschool.com. Today's episode is part of a new series where I'll be discussing big topics with my good friend Liam Ward from LearnTheHarmonica.com. Today, we're chatting about tone. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. So I'm joined by my very good friend Liam Ward from LearnTheHarmonica.com. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well as well. I'm excited to be talking about today's topic. I'm also excited to be doing the first of uh, this podcast format with you. Um, So today's topic is going to be tone. Uh, And basically, Liam and I are just going to discuss tone for half an hour or so. Um, So Liam, I I think it's probably a good idea that we define what tone is before we go any further. Uh, how, How would you define tone? Ooh, good question. So I I think we're talking about quite a specific thing when we talk about tone in the context of harmonica. So tone can mean various things, but really, I think in the context we're looking at, you're talking about the basic sound of the notes that you play, how they are shaped, what character they have, when when you play any note on the harmonica um so whether it's thin fat big small warm or cold dark light that sort of thing nice i I think i think that's a a very succinct way of of putting it and i'm glad that we haven't qualified it yet um because i i get questions all the time from students i'm sure you do as well it's like tomlin i i need to know about tone and, and really, I know what they're asking. They're asking about good tone, um, but, but they, they, they don't really know how to formulate that question and um, you know, what, what, what is good tone. So I, I guess um, something to, to start with um, before we go down the rabbit hole of tone and, and this discussion uh, is, is what is good tone? Is there one definition that you can give good tone uh, or are there many different good tones yeah i i have the same thing as you that people get in touch and they they haven't asked exactly what they really want to know but you can guess from the amount the amount of inquiries you've had on that topic and often it comes down to wanting fat tone or a big or a fat tone that seems to be the preference a lot of the time um, and I'm actually really excited we're doing this episode, not just because I can imagine that I'm on Shag Marion Annoyed and, um, you know, that we're married and we've got a kid on the way, which is obviously, you know, obviously my secret dream. Sorry <laughs> to my wife who might be listening. Um, but no, I, 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 was, I was really excited to talk about tone because I kind of, I, I can see an opportunity to, fill in some of the gaps when it comes to tone because fat tone is an amazing thing but 
I kind of think a lot of the time we get a bit obsessed with that and leave out some other things that could also be classed as good tone. I mean, you're probably going to say, no, that's a load of rubbish now. What do you reckon? Well, no, this, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you took the bait because uh, it is it is always the, the place where people go to is they want the biggest, bassiest, meatiest tone. Um, and I think that always, always sounds great in your bedroom. Uh, but in the context of playing with a band, it, it's it's a good sound, but it's definitely not the only good tone uh, that you should have in your repertoire. And I, I think quite quite often uh, a thinner, brighter tone is actually more useful um, in in a band context when you're trying to you know be the soloist who cuts through. Uh, and sometimes if you, if you kind of sacrifice everything to the the temple of uh, oh, sorry at the at the temple of fat tone. Um, then you can kind of disappear in the mix. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the word I would pick out from what you just said is context. I think context is everything. Um, so that might be the the setting, the genre, uh, or it could just be what you're trying to say, where you are in a solo or where you are in a song, um, and what you've been doing so far and what you might want to use to contrast with that. So you don't have to play, and I don't think you should play, with the same tone the whole way through a song. Now, lots of blues players, and especially amplified blues players, um, and I think maybe we should talk a bit about gear later on as well, because there's kind of a side to it with that. But amplified blues players, a lot of the time it's about getting that big fat tone and maintaining it. And that's such a great skill to have and a great sound to create. But if you listen to the great players, they're often playing with that tone. They don't just establish that tone and keep the exact same tone the whole way through. Because at the end of the day, they're telling a story. So at different points in that story, they want to use different characters to represent different emotions. Um, and all the best storytellers do that and, and the best harmonic players do that. Oh, no doubt. I, I remember vividly uh, when we did a workshop together uh, a couple of years ago and, and Will Wilde was there. Um, and, and Will has kind of monster, monster sounds on stage. <laughs> He's all about the big, heavy harmonica sound. Not necessarily that kind of classic fat tone, but he definitely has a very big, big sound and halfway through the song he leapt off stage very athletically and uh, put his microphone to one side and just played acoustically in the room <laughs> and it was so much thinner and quieter than anything he'd done before but it was so powerful uh, it, it you know everyone stopped talking everyone was drawn into what he was playing and then you know he gradually came back to the stage brought the microphone back into things, cupped it, and got that big sound again. Um, and that that kind of dynamic shift between the two was so, so powerful. Um, so I, I think that that's, that that's one of the most kind of eye-opening moments for me in, in terms of seeing live harmonica and um, really thinking about the differences of uh, tone throughout um, a performance. Um, I guess I, I want to know what your favorite harmonica tones like what 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 are the recordings that really get you excited about harmonica as an instrument but not not from chops point of view tones i love 
songs where there's that contrast that I mentioned involved. So Easy by Big Walter is a good example because he starts very gentle and then he he goes really dirty. And part of that is the licks and part of it is the the, uh, note selection. But it's also just choosing where to be gentle and choosing where to to really get gritty and dig in. And it's not just to do with volume, although that, that's part of it. It's also choosing what to do with your mouth. What, what are you choosing to do to create a, a, a variety of sounds? So I think Big Walter is a great example because in many ways of the classic guys, he, he was he's the perfect example of big tone mm-hmm. and especially his like biggest followers are obsessed with tone and and big fat tone and rightly so, but actually he's got loads of gentle playing in in his repertoire and times when his, his tone goes thinner and that that isn't because he, he's kind of forgotten to to do what he knows is right. It's because he's choosing to do it. Um, so he's not, he's not always wanting, uh, Sometimes he might, you know, which is a thin tone. That's, you know, most of the time you hear people saying you need to work on getting that. But sometimes you might want to play. I'm actually tight. I'm tightening up. I'm making my mouth smaller. I'm doing all the things everyone says don't do. But there are times when you'll want to get that thin sound to contrast with the fat you'd say you're playing a lick over and over you might change that uh lick not in terms of notes but in terms of the tone that you're producing and you can extend this to amplified playing so you'll often hear people uh not necessarily as extreme as the will wild example you used of getting off stage but they'll just pull the microphone away so suddenly you don't have they've worked on this great big fat sound with a microphone and then suddenly it goes um, but they're doing it on purpose they're kind of they want to change that tone and then they bring it back in and it's so powerful when it comes back in yeah absolutely um and i think yeah this this is this is something that's really important to talk about because it's it's the thing that a lot of people don't practice but when you hear great players it's the thing that they clearly have practiced and that's how to use the hands uh how important do you think hands are uh, for for great tone, this is something I'm really glad you asked about because recently I've been trying to record my practices more. Um, I I tell people all the time, and I, I know you do that pr- recording your practices is so useful. But I've got out of that. I, well, I go through phases. There's times when I'm doing it a lot, and times when I'm not. And I've got back into recording myself, and I was just practicing hand war. Um, kind of technique so it's just trying to shape the sound you know um, but also like a kind of fast hand tremolo techniques so like first position to off just trying to get them in time to a metronome or whatever and I listened back and it surprised me how how much that hand was affecting this, the sound, um, how big that tremolo sound was, because on my side, the player's side of the harmonica, 
you don't hear it as much. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's really splitting up the sound quite choppy. And then I experimented with a slightly less choppy sound. And again, it's you're building in variety into your playing, but you can only do that through listening back. Um, I think it, to try and answer your question, <laughs> sort of, or something like answer your question, I think it's really important, but I think it's part of a bigger picture because there's so much that goes on internally. Um, and then whether we like it or not, if we're using amplification in any form, then you have to consider the tone uh, effect of that amplification. So the hand is kind of in the middle somewhere. It's, it's in the middle of that that chain, but they're all important. Um, I'd like to ask you if there's someone who you listen to, you you aspire to in terms of tone? That's a really good question. And it, it, I think it's it's a really interesting one for me specifically, because I didn't get into harmonica players until quite late in my harmonica playing journey. I, I just, you know, I, I wanted to play guitar on harmonica. Uh, so I wasn't even aware of, of kind of really cool harmonica tones. Um, and then... It, it did kind of come from seeing some a few people live that that really uh, opened things up for me, um, and and hearing the difference between certain harmonica players. So, w watching Adam Gusso in in the same room is is kind of interesting because Adam Gusso has a very raw kind of he he has that that kind of treble forward uh, amplified tone um, that someone like David Barrett doesn't doesn't have um and i love both both those kind of ends of the spectrum uh of of, of tones uh but i didn't really appreciate the differences in in harmonica players tone until i was in the room with people like that and then kind of delved down uh various kind of sonic uh furrows um and you know just discovered kind of the difference between someone like jimmy reed who doesn't have that big fat tone generally, but but what he plays is perfect for what he's playing, and you know it 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 cuts through that nice kind of first position upper octave sound is is really cool, um, and then listening to someone like William Clark who just has kind of epically massive tone, um, not always because he he does switch things up, but he has access to it. Um, yeah, there was some of the people kind of got me excited. Rick Estrin got me excited seeing him live because he plays around with so many different sounds uh, on stage. He switches uh, between the kind of really classic cupped, really fat sound. Uh, and then he even does things like putting his microphone up against his neck while he's <laughs> playing. Uh, I don't know if he did that when, when you saw him play, <laughs> but it's just, it's such a crazy different sound. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, it took me a while to get into good harmonica player tones. Um, and actually one, one of the, the, the sounds that I really, really enjoyed was your, your Liam Ward band album. Um, I, I thought that- Thanks man, the, the I'll pay you later. That, <laughs> the tones on that were absolutely killer and got me really excited about trying to get good harmonica tones rather than I'm a guitarist who wants to play guitar stuff on harmonica and I don't care about those sounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how has it been for you, given that guitar uh, beginnings, um, 
in terms of you know you listen to guitarists and you there are there are guitarists who they're all tone and then the guitarists who are all twiddle um, and maybe don't have as big and fat a tone but then they, but they're great at what they do so do do you feel like you kind of feel the same way about harmonica tone as you do about guitar tone that's it. I love that. All tone and, and no twiddle. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's going to be my next album title. <laughs> I, I feel very strongly um, on, on for both harmonica and guitar uh, that I would far rather hear beautiful tone than uh, and beautiful and or interesting tone than uh, twiddly playing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like someone who really thinks um, about what they can get out of a whole rather than uh, playing a million different notes. I'm, I'm way more interested in that, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... What excites me is when someone is playing. So what, I'm, what I mean is it, it's fun, it's a game. They're, they're using the tools at their disposal to be creative, be fun. Um, and that pressing the mic to the neck thing is an example. Um, it takes confidence and it takes a lot of experience and, and ability, but also it, I think it's a case of holding on to that, what excites you about playing music in the first place. So by all means, go down the rabbit hole of, of fat tone, but at the same time, remember that this is about communicating emotion, creating stories and um, entertaining people. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes as, as great as like a big fat two draw is, you might want to do like a little, like a little chuck, 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 chuck thing yeah. through the mic, just, just for the sake of, and, and I don't even mean necessarily in like a novelty way, like, at a certain point in a solo, it can be really effective to just change that tone up and and the listeners kind of go, hey, hey what's going on there? And then you're back in with your kind of fat sound and it all, all comes back to that variety. Definitely. And and that, that that's a really good example. I remember I did I did lessons with Roly Platt for a while and Roly is, is, is a master of being kind of um, applicable to whatever situation you put him in. Uh, so he's not going to come in and sound like a harmonica player if if that's not what's relevant. Uh, and you know, Roly has been on over eighteen hundred recordings, so he's kind of consummate professional when it comes to to sessions. Um, and he was talking all about getting these these very thin, articulate uh, kind of chugs, like like what you were doing, the kind of. <laughs> But you can kind of barely hear it. Mm. And in, in a kind of bluegrass context, it's like the, the offbeat chug that the mandolin yeah, yeah. is doing. And uh, it's, it's cool, cool stuff. Um, and, you know, by itself, it's, it's thin and not very usable. Uh, but if you think about what your role is at that moment in the music, uh, that's, that's really cool. If, if you launch into the... over you know a, a seven piece band and you know you're, you're trying to make everything big and and take up as much space as possible then it's maybe not what's appropriate at, at the time and you might not get invited back yeah and i think i think as well as as that i think that's just a case for remembering that 
a fat tone isn't intrinsically a priori a good tone. There's so much history associated with, with why we now think of that as a as a great tone. And I'm I I, I again I don't want to suggest that I don't like that sound because I love it and I'm I'm searching for it in my playing and I probably always will be. But I think it's that thing of remembering that all all sounds and tones are in, uh, created equal and it's a case of well, what do you like yourself um and then also we're all different we physically we're all different and we will all sound different so i would love to sound like kim wilson i'd love to sound like big walter um i'd, I'd love to sound like sonny terry i'd love to sound like joe felisco but I never will, or at least I'll never be. I'll never be them. So, I, so as much as I can work on getting a fat tone, I have to remember that I have unique attributes, just as as you do, just as everyone else listening to this does. And if your tone sounds different from someone else, great, celebrate that. Be be yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that. This is this is where I'm going to add a caveat. Um, oh no! Yeah, well, I, I think don't sound like Liam. <laughs> no, I think it's important because I, I get these emails occasionally from from people who are quite early on in their journeys, um, and and they're very certain that they don't want to practice sounding like anyone else because they want to develop their own sound. And while I think it, it's a great great thought that you should aim to develop your own sound there is immense value in studying all the kind of objectively great tones out there so that you can then develop your own rather than just saying, oh, well, no, I don't need to bother with that because I'm me and I'm going to do my own thing right from the start. Um, I think it, it, it's quite easy to be a little bit too proud to kind of put the time in to study all the, the different greats. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I, I think I will... Uh... I will go home and think about my humility. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think the, I think the important thing, if, if you're talking about technique now, so you're talking about, uh, you know, working on your tone um, as a, as a technique, I think what you said is really true. So I think when people start out often, uh, you know, I get similar emails to you or, or, you know, people send videos or whatever and, first off, they might not be able to get a single note or if they're getting a single note, it's extremely thin. Now, obviously, I've been saying there's nothing intrinsically wrong with a thin note. The problem with a thin note, if it's all you can do, is that it's inefficient, you're going to blow really hard, you'll probably end up breaking your harmonicas, you'll get tired out, you'll probably fill your harmonicas up with spit um, and you won't be able to get a variety of tones. So of course, it's really important to learn to get a fat tone, which tends not to come as easily as a thin tone. Uh, and then you, you can choose as and when to use it. Um, so there's a very good reason it's talked about so much, this kind of big fat tone. One, it sounds great. Two, people struggle to get it at first. So it's very much a rite of passage and an important um, stepping stone in most harmonic players learning to, to go through that process. And um, I just think at the end of it, it, it's important to remember that actually there are other sounds, other you know tonal frequencies you can work on as well. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think as you as you progress through your journey as a student, um, you, you become aware of, of the differences between sounds uh, a lot more clearly. So I, I think, you know, at the beginning, you maybe can't discern the difference between, you know, like a sweet double stop and a messy, you know, I, I can't single out a single hole kind of sound. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that those are both important things to know what they are and, and then use them judiciously. Um, but you might not be aware at the beginning. And there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I get, I get videos from, from people uh, who say, oh, how am I sounding? And I'm, I'm sure that in their minds, they're, they're doing kind of kind of nice clean tongue slaps but but really what what they're getting is but they they haven't kind of developed that sort of ear muscle yet to to hear the difference um which which probably means that part of the journey is is also listening to as much uh, as you can in terms of great recorded harmonica playing uh, so that you do start to develop that that palette yeah, and going back to the idea of recording um, yourself to, to say, well, what am I actually doing here? Um, because people don't often, or don't always, sorry, know that they're not getting single notes. And, uh, you know, when you get more experience, you think, how how could you not know? But, it, you know, people don't always know. And that, that thing of the double stops or, or just the messy notes uh, is a good example. Um, so I often... I will work on single notes a lot with students at first, and then I'll talk about double stops. And they're kind of like, often they'll, they're like, I can already do that. I'm like, well, no, you can play a messy note. You can't play a double stop yet. You know, there's, there's a difference. Um, Cause they'll, I'll teach, you know, if I teach a lick, you know, whatever it is, they'll play the whole thing messy. And that's very different from playing the whole thing single notes and then that double stop at the end, you know, uh, but it's becoming aware of that in your own playing. Definitely. Right. I'm, I'm very aware of time and I didn't want to let this turn into an epically long conversation, even though I know that it could. Um, so I, I've got a couple of, of quick things that I think we should address. Um, and, and the, the first one I think is, is, is amplified, uh, tone and um, you said that you wanted to talk about amplified tone. Um, I'd, I'd like to ask you whether buying that uh, 1950s Fender basement is going to make me sound amazing or not. No, next. <laughs> <laughs> so why why not? Um, amplification will will just make you louder. Um, it won't make you better. It, it might change your tone. So it it might take what you're putting in and affect that tone, but it's not going to change the foundations of your, your playing. Um, so if you're thinking, I don't like my sound, will this amp make me sound any better? Then no. Um, if you like your sound uh, and you're thinking of the amp as either just something to make it louder for certain situations, great. Uh, or, or something to, you know, put the icing on the cake in terms of, of, of your playing in a certain um, scenario, then, then that's a different thing entirely. 
Um, of course, if you're filthy rich and you fancy just buying a load of amps, great. Um, but if you're going to do it, send me one as well, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember we, we did a Q&A with Lee Sankey a few years ago. Um, it wasn't a few years ago. It was, what, 2019? Anyway, whenever it was. Um, and, and a similar question came up. And uh, and he, he said uh, that an amplifier, you know, it's, it's shit in, louder shit out. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And I had, that in, I had that in mind when I was answering and I thought, I'm not going to swear in front of Tom Lynn. He's such a well brought up young man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I've already got the, the explicit uh, button just ticked or, or always on for the, the podcast. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> all right. Another, another quick fire question uh, is vents versus no vents. Ooh. And also, do you want to, do you want to, um, just, I've, I've only got harmonicas with, uh, vents to hand right now. So that's where it's open at the side. Do you have anything that's, that's closed at the side to show? I have loads that are closed at the side. I tend to, um, play special twenties mainly. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so they they are closed. They are sealed up there. Um, I think I have. I'm, I'm kind of glancing over to my harmonicas. I think I have a couple with, with vents, but I, to be honest, it's not, I feel like it's a blind spot for me. It's not something I've considered much. I don't, when I'm playing a special 20, I'm not thinking, oh, I wish this had vents. And um, I quite like the idea of the sound coming through the harmonica rather than, than it kind of coming out the sides. But I feel like I don't, know much when it comes to vents i want i want to know your opinion on it so my reason for bringing this up is i think a lot of people think of vents as a shortcut to getting good amplified tone because they enable you to get a more airtight seal around the instrument because the instrument instrument in and of itself is more sealed than a harmonica that's got open vents Mm. um and i think it's very true that that to get that first moment of a really strong overdriven sound through a microphone is a million times easier if if the harmonica has uh, closed vents. Um, but then it, it means that you you don't necessarily have access to that more acoustic sound when you want to switch. Um, so that's, that's why I was wondering if you had an opinion on it. Um, I'm not saying that you only use special 20s to give you a fat tone because you can't get a fat tone out of something else. <laughs> that's exactly it. But, I'd, you know, we might have to de- delete that bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair. Um, okay, so um, is there anything else that you... Actually, no, there's, there's something... I, I realize we haven't really given anyone anything to, to work on to... Uh, get that um, fat tone uh, or tips tips for tone practice. Do you have any any quick tips for improving people's tone before the end of the podcast? Yeah, so very quickly, I tend to think when it comes to beginners, most of the time they're doing what I call a kind of little old lady lips on on the harmonica, only because it reminds me of my grandma giving me a kiss, you know, um, kind of like pursed, the, the word Pursed uh, and, and pucker, actually, both those terms um, kind of uh, reflect that tiny little mouth. So um, I try and get people to think of putting the harmonica in, not on their mouth, um, because generally it has to go a lot further into your mouth than 
than a beginner will think that it needs to. So they'll tend to be lingering on the edge of the harmonica. And just by pushing it further into your mouth, you naturally open up your airway more, you make it more efficient. So that's something that can um, uh, change things right away. Um, and just relaxing is, is, is massive as well. The other thing to consider is, is what mouth shape are you actually uh, using, as in what technique, what, so are you lip pursing, are you tongue blocking, are you you blocking, which uh, I think are things we're going to talk about in another episode, but it's important to consider those when you're thinking what tone do I want to get because I'll all give you different tones. Definitely. Great suggestions. Uh, one that I would add is don't mistake uh, power for playing hard. Um, I, I think a lot of people hear these huge fat tones and they think that the harmonica player is playing very, very hard. And the reality is that they're not. That in, in, in actual fact, all of these things are coming together, like the getting the harmonica deep enough inside the mouth to get the, the proper seal around the instrument. The, the hands are in the right position, you're relaxed, um, and, and all of that comes together to give you the, the big, big sound. And you know, breathing from diaphragm rather than breathing from your chest makes a huge difference. So don't play harder to get a bigger tone. Um, that um, reminds me of Someone asked a question on the, one of my YouTube videos recently, basically along those lines, and I referred them to, to a, a David Barrett video. And I know you're a big fan of David as well. Um, and when we had him in Edinburgh, it was amazing to hear him live because he's so laid back. He's almost horizontal, isn't he? He's so, like, it's like he's not even breathing. And the sound he gets is gorgeous and, and big and fat. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely massive. Um, and I would highly recommend um, for, for an album for people to listen to for great tone uh, is It Takes Three. Um, David Barrett, Gary Smith, Aki Kumar. Yeah, that um, sounds about right to me. Anyway, brilliant album. Lots of that kind of laid back West Coast uh, blues harmonica tones. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, awesome. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time today, Liam. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I highly, highly recommend that people check out Liam's YouTube channel, Learn the Harmonica, and um, his website, learntheharmonica.com, uh, where you can sign up for harmonica lessons and uh, a good step-by-step -step curriculum in his member zone. And uh, yeah, I will uh, hopefully see him again soon for another one of these episodes. Cheers. Enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my harmonica podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast service of choice. And if you're ready to take your harmonica playing to the next level, then you should check out my online harmonica school over at TomlinHarmonicaSchool.com. Happy harping!